Lacrosse All-Stars presents In Your Face LaxCast. Unfiltered opinions on the most controversial topics in the game of lacrosse. I'm Ryan Danahy, former Division I college and pro player and Division I college coach, currently living and coaching in the city of Philadelphia. I'm joined with my co-host, Andy Towers, the legend, former Division I college head coach, MLL All-Star, three-time All-American, and arguably the best to ever play the midfield position. Each show, we dive into the world of lacrosse from high school, college, to pro, as well as bring on special guests. You can subscribe to us via iTunes and check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax for more information. Enjoy the show. Hey, T, you saw the draft last night? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the kid Tunzel. What a day and what a night to have your Twitter, your, all your social media. I mean, there was the uh, the conversation with his college coach too, but what a night to have your Twitter, your all your social media hacked. I mean, yeah, you can't be psyched about a million dollar, seven million dollar tweet that's going to come back to haunt him. And negative, negative seven million dollar tweet. Oh, there have good. been other seven million dollar tweets that have earned you seven million bucks. This one earned you. Negative seven million dollars. Reverse Powerball tweet. That's got to be rock bottom. He's a front runner for rock bottom of the year. He's going to be in it. We might yeah. change it to the Tunzel Bowl of the week. Better than the Joseph Fritzel Bowl. We don't know about oh, that one. Geez. <laughs> Dude, that's a little too much. Don't don't Google Joseph Fritzel. Oh, jo- don't agenda. Google don't Google Joseph Fritzel. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's actually a documentary out on Joseph Fritzel on Netflix, and I watched it, and it's it, incredible. It's well, disgusting. It's sad. It should be Silence of the Lambs Part 5 because that is terrifying. <laughs> it is. It's so bad. So uh, just to even the playing field, the NFL, um, the Pats didn't have a, a pick. We didn't really need one in the first round. But, uh, but your Giants needed one for sure. They sucked last year. They were awful. Who did Thanks, they pick dude. up? Uh, we got Eli Apple. All right, Apple. welcome to the Big Apple, right? Uh, yeah, right, welcome right, to the right. Big Apple, Eli Apple, out of <laughs> OSU. Cornerback, and I love how Prince Amukamara tweeted out that the last two times that the Giants drafted a corner in the first round, they went on to win the Super Bowl. So I hope that trend continues, our day. Oh, uh, yeah. It would be great. Uh, right. I was the guy that everyone sees in Las Vegas at like four in the morning sitting at the sports book, like with like 15 empty glasses in front of him and right. his ha- head in his hands. Out, out and, of Winston Gold. Right, right. This is like three packs. He can't afford another pack. And he's got one left. And it's like literally like the last, right. you know, swig of a cigarette. That's what I looked like on on Wednesday or this morning. When I found out, I was staring up at rock bottom. You're yeah. staring up at rock. If things go perfectly for the rest of the night, you'll be at rock bottom. I, yeah, right. I yeah. was, <laughs> I was, I was at rock bottom. And and the worst is, I don't have an Ivy League pass. So of course, I tweeted out, "Does anyone have an Ivy League pass that they want to give me?" No one did. Jerks. I have it. You should have just texted me, right? Because I'm sure you were bored after the third quarter for sure, and the nine zero run third quarter. I was uh, watching Survivor and pretending I wasn't watching the Brown Dartmouth game. But, <laughs> and then Ty, Ty caught me and sold me out to mom. <laughs> Ty caught uh, That's rich. Um, yeah, so they were close. It was four to one, I think, through like two quarters, five, right? Yeah. Five to one yeah. through the half, right? Well, what, 17 turnovers apiece in the first, first half? half? That's incredible. What was going on? I don't know, but I saw somebody tweeted out that. They said that Lars's halftime speech was, all right, the second half, everybody can use your strong hand again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was 1987 sucks. I think That's that was 1987 sucks. That made me laugh <laughs> out loud this morning. <laughs> so um, funny. So, uh, yeah, so I got murdered. It was five to one. We had all the over-unders. We, we basically you know, it was kind of like the Brown-Dartmouth game. That's kind of what it was, Ryan. Yeah, it really was. It kind of mimicked that. I can't believe I took Dartmouth again. Uh, they failed me. Like I think they ended up in the, the lineups uh, three times this year. And all three times, they couldn't cover. They did not cover. They yeah. didn't cover against, well, Air Force. That didn't matter. There was no line on that. They didn't cover against Denver. 
They didn't cover against Brown. I don't think they, they covered against, against Yale. anyone the whole year. Did they? Michigan, they covered They covered against Michigan. Well, if there was a line, Michigan wasn't ranked in the top 20, so we didn't have a line against uh, for Michigan. Uh, right. Dartmouth. But that that would have been a cover. I would have taken yeah, Michigan. Yeah, I would have taken and, Michigan as well. Especially at that point in the year. Well, they were also, it's away. I mean, it's in the big house. I can't believe they, they won. How did Michigan lose that? That's so know. rock bottom. But uh, I definitely would have taken uh, Dartmouth over New Jersey. I would have taken Dartmouth over Wagner. Me too. I would have taken Dartner, Dartmouth over Sacred Heart. Me too. And it didn't happen. It did not happen. So luckily, Dartmouth has some good players. They got some really good players. They do. But it was tough year. But, uh, good, good luck to the seniors at Dartmouth. Of course, I'm giving them a shout out. I'm sure they've all got six figure jobs. Um, you know, unlike the volunteer at lacrosse coach that decided to do that after co- after college, uh, I did not make six figures <laughs> at all. I was trying to make. Five figures. I made four figures when I was coaching at Yale for a couple of years. <laughs> I low felt like four figures. I, I felt but like I, I big time. I, I made low four figures, and I big timed everybody that was making only three <laughs> figures. Uh, I made. They were they. Ironically, that was the same group of people that was hanging out with our boy at four a.m. with the empty pack of Winston Gold right, in front right. of him and down to his last beer coupon. That's that's <laughs> the group that I big timed making my sm- low four figures at Yale. In 2008, or seven, 2007, I was making, and you knew my contract, I think I was making $17,000, $17,000 a year for four years, no benefits. I mean, that's what, that's what college coaches had to deal with, by the way. Uh, if you don't know, I mean, it's not like this glamorous job. I mean, of course, if you hit it big and, you know, you're the Bill Tierney's of the world, Petro's of the world, you mm-hmm. earned it. Uh, I mean, Bill Tierney probably is un- underpaid given that he's probably one of the highest paid coaches in the, in the country, but I feel like that guy could cure cancer. I mean, if he was a doctor, um, you know, he's probably underpaid, but everyone else, I mean, you look at these second assistant guys. I mean, now, you know, luckily, I mean, the second assistant's probably making, you know, certain, depending on the place, you know, I would say on average about $30,000 a year, I would say, uh, between yeah, yeah. the highest paid second assistants, right? And then obviously the lowest paid second assistants in the country. Um, but it's, it's a grind. Those college coaches, it's an absolute grind, um, and they work hard for it, and they're starving to get there. Um, and it's it's good to see the the young kids, the young college coaches stick it through. Uh, you know, some of the guys I can think of is like Brundage, stuck with it. Stephen yep. Boyle, sticking with it, although he's not as young as you know Brundage. I'm not even. I, I can't even go through them all. There's a lot that just disappear, and I you know. I was there the whole time when I saw a lot of my friends just decide to get out, and you know, eventually I did too. But uh, you know, it's it's a grind, and those guys work their asses off. Um, they do. They 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 only work. That's <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't. They they are literally you only work, and that's you're right. just you're just pretty much never happy. Right. You know, the happiest you are is right after your team wins a game, and it lasts about. An hour and a half, and then you start to worry about the next game. You can't enjoy anything. Well, you're so, breaking so down the film. I, I, you're breaking uh, down the other so one that breaks on. down the film. You got to take the take right. the pylons back into the thing. You got to, you know, make sure the the scoreboard. It's like, especially for the schools the that don't have, for, you know, facility managers and all that stuff. I mean, you know, a lot of ways, I felt like I was the team mom as much as I was a second assistant coach. Um, sometimes I'll uh, tell you, but I, I I don't miss it one. Percent. Uh, I really don't. I don't. In fact, getting out of college coaching has made me really like the sport again. Um, the, 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 the best part, or the reason at least me, why I got into coaching is because I loved coaching on the field. And disappointingly, the, the more you move ahead, the less and less it becomes about coaching on the field. The more it becomes an administrative job of trying to tactfully manage the emotions of alums that want you to take their kids in their next in your next recruiting class you know parents whose kids don't play on game day uh, an administration that wants you to um, you know worry about things that um, don't directly affect your on the field product. Right. And it just becomes less and less about on the field coaching and more and more about things that you 
didn't get in it for. You know, if right. I'm if I'm going to put that much administration and that much emotional management of the constituents, you know, I'd rather just go into finance and get paid for it while I lose my mind. <laughs> That's true. It's very very true. Uh, I miss the competitiveness of it, and I took like a year off where I didn't have a team or club. You know, I didn't have a high school team or a club team, and that was tough for me. Uh, losing the competitive edge on a daily basis. Now I have it again in Philly. You know, I'm a coach at Penn Charter, um, and it's a lot of fun. I also have my own club team over the summer, 2019 Triple H's. If you're listening to this, shout out to you guys. Um, But I think that that, it's like the purest form is being an assistant coach at a high school program. But I will say this, as an Interac head coach, I do not, it is almost like being a college coach. I'm sure. It's, It's the, the, the pressure on game days, of course. I mean, you're in one of the toughest leagues in the country. And then the administrative, exactly what you mentioned, the administrative nightmares um, are tough uh, to consistently handle. But like anything else, I guess there are parts of your job you like and the parts that you don't like. But That's why um, it's called work. That's right. Uh, Lax Vegas Lines came out with their lines this morning. Um, there are three different brackets of lines. There's the ACC playoffs and the semifinals. Uh, then there's the Patriot League playoffs, semifinals, and then, of course, the rest of the top 20. AT, let's run these down. I am down 5-1. to one. We're just going to add this. So I need to make a sick recovery on this, and I'm going to do so. We have number one Notre Dame at home. Well, they're home team, but they're all in Georgia. This whole ACC playoffs are in Georgia, uh, which I think actually plays to the underdogs here. But number one Notre Dame. They are the home team in Georgia, favored by two against number 14, Duke. Who do you have here? You know, this is going to be an interesting game. I I watched this game two weeks ago or three weeks ago uh, on the plane coming back from New Orleans, and Duke seemed to be in control of this game, particularly through the first three quarters of the game. Both goalies played great. I thought that Shane Doss played better at Notre Dame than the Duke goalie did. And I think that's because Duke shot smarter. And so Doss's saves seem to be bigger. Yep. Uh, you know, Kyle Rowe dominated the faceoff X. I expect him to do that again. I think that Duke is playing uh, well right now. I think typically, or as typical of John Donowski, you know, it seems like his team has sort of figured out who they are, and they're starting to hit their stride right now. And then you've got Notre Dame on the other end that somehow blew a five-goal lead to North Carolina right. uh, on national TV. And I just I feel like I feel like Duke's going to win the game outright. So uh, I'm going to take Duke getting two, uh, and but I still like the under in this game. I think that. You know, it's going to be a low-scoring game. That's the way Notre Dame wants to play. I think that Duke understands that's the way that they want to play, and they're okay with giving Miles Jones the ball and having him run around for, you know, 56 of the 60 minutes in the game. <laughs> right. um, so I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but I think that Duke is going to end up winning the game outright. So I've got Duke getting two, and I like the under at 21.5. So this was the overtime game in Notre Dame or in South Bend. Uh, I think the final score was what, 15 goals? No, it was 8-6. It wasn't an overtime game. It was an 8-6 win um, by by Notre Dame. What was the what was the one that – oh, that was Virginia. I'm, I apologize. Uh, yeah. But it was 8-6, right? It was like 14 goals, 15, yeah. 14 goals. Um, Duke was up early, and, and you were. felt like – Duke was up 4-2, and you felt like they should have been up 6-2. And then, and then sure enough, you know, Ryder Garnsey, I think, had two dodging goals at the end. Right. That all of a sudden it was tied. It was – goals were so hard to come by. And then Notre Dame scored two dodging goals, and it was a game where it was, unassisted, you know, it was unassisted. Right. And I think Kavanaugh had no points. Right, right, it was a right. Weird game, very weird game. I'm going to take Notre Dame in this one. I think that Notre Dame um, at least wins by two. I'm actually going to take the over as well. I think for some reason, as much as I, that last game was 14 goals, the last couple games, I mean, 17 goals or 32 total goals being scored uh, in the Carolina game. I think Duke takes a lot from that, but I think that in the end, I don't think Notre Dame implodes the way they did. Because in order for Duke to win it outright, like you think, I feel like they're going to have to implode again. And I just don't see a team like Notre Dame doing that again this season. Um, and much like you said, you know, Duke gets their guys ready to play. Well, last year they lost in the, uh, you know, they lost to Ohio State first round. 
So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know what kind of a Duke team we're going to see. The, you see the 16-1 tranching of Marquette. Then you see them lose other games that you're like, what is going on? This one, I think there's too much on the line. Uh, Corrigan wants to win the ACC t- uh, playoffs um, and wants that number one seed. And he they, better start shoot, they better start shooting smarter. Sergio has been shooting you know? really well lately, too. And that, that's where he, I feel like you, it's a You know what, spot. though? He had a couple of poor shots, poor decisions on when to shoot. And where to shoot on the goal. He, I, I agree he has been shooting better. And I know that I've been super critical of him throughout the year. I mean, listen, the kid's got a bomb it's of a shot. It's incredible. But, but if you're going to shoot it, put it on cage. make the goalie have to move to save it. Right. I mean, that kid should never shoot high. Never. Right. And when he doesn't shoot high, goalies aren't moving to save it, you, you, you know, and if, but yet if he shoots it high and in their stick before they can move their stick out of the way, <laughs> it's true. Then, then you're feeling transition. So, you know, let's hope for Notre Dame's sake that they can become a more disciplined shooting team and make the goalies have to move to save the balls. And if they do that, they're going to, they're going to put up a lot more goals than they do even with playing what is perceived, what seems to be a slower style of game. Number 10, Carolina versus number 7, Syracuse. Carolina is the home team in there. Again, this is in mm-hmm. Georgia. It's a pick em. However, Lax Vegas, Lax, Lax Vegas Lines has Carolina as a slight edge in the money line, which means they're a slight edge favorite despite the pick em spread. Who do you have in this one, A.T.? Uh, oh, by the way, with, by the way, I have Notre yeah. Dame and the over in that last one. I apologize, okay. uh, right. but go ahead, At. Okay, so I, I, I uh, I've got Carolina in this game. I think Carolina's hitting its stride. We mentioned last podcast, or, or I mentioned last podcast, that we're really starting to see the, um, you know, the benefits of Dave Metzbauer and what he's been able to do to that program. You know, they graduated a ton of offense in Sankey, Bitter, Tutton, and they've got, you know, a younger group in there. And you know, we saw that they did to Notre Dame coming back in that fourth quarter. Stephen Kelly's feeling it. Stephen Kelly got beat 16 out of 24 against Ben Williams last game. Mm-hmm. Ben Williams had to sit out the fourth quarter in their game against Binghamton. You know, does he come back and he's 100%? I don't know, probably the kid's a warrior, but I just think that Stephen Kelly is going to play uh, more competitively at the X in this game, and I think Carolina is hitting its stride. The fact that Syracuse beat him 13-7 to up in the Dome, I just like this. I think it sets up well for Carolina coming off a big win with a chip on their shoulder about the result from last time. Uh, I think it's going to be another high-scoring game. So I'm going to take Carolina in the pick'em straight up to win, and I like the over at 23, even though it's a big number. Big number, 23. I agree. I like the over as well. I don't think that that's going to be an issue for either team to hit. I think it's going to be a lot closer than the last game that they played. I don't know what the final score of that was. What was the final score? you remember? Carolina, uh, 13-7, I believe. 13-7, right. So it was under, it was under 23, but I think that uh, Carolina scores a lot more, and I think Syracuse has to score more to beat them. I have Q's in this one. I like Q's. Um, I think that Ben Williams is going to be a little bit too much. It's a pick em game, so all they have to do is win by one, and that's what I have. Uh, I think there's going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. one of the best games on the schedule. Um, I agree. And uh, But I do, I'm going to pick Syracuse. So right there after tonight, I'm going to be even with you. Because I've picked three, three of them. So instead of them playing in the dome, they're playing in the hot. Carolina Sun in Georgia. Yeah, I don't know. And you like Syracuse again. I do. I do. I just think that I think late... That's a, I think that's a patented bent nail. I don't know. With the right Syracuse... The ex- Hitting that nail experience, right on the side. Experience, experience kills. And I think that Syracuse is a good late-season team. I do not think Carolina is a good late-season team. They haven't been, they haven't. but they're evolving into them. <laughs> mark my word. Well, you need them to be. That's for sure. Number nine, Navy. I want them to be. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Number nine, Navy. Uh, they are the home team against Army. Uh, the The line is one and a half, mm-hmm. and the over-under is 20 goals. What do you got here? Uh, you know what? This last time these two teams played, just two weeks ago, uh, April 16th, they played at Army. And Army was up late in the game, only to have Navy come back 
and beat them 11-10. You know, now they're playing down in Annapolis. I just think that Navy's the better team. I I love Joe Alberici, and I love Army, and I think that they are a national tournament team, but I think that Navy's going to win this game like 11-8. So I like... I like Navy to cover one and a half, and I like the under at 20, even though last game 21 goals were scored. I like the under here. I'm going to take Army. I think one of the hardest things, and I've said this over and over, excuse me, I've said this over and over again, that to beat the same team twice and to do it two weeks in a row, it's like taking the same test again. And despite, of course, going down in Annapolis, I think that Army is going to beat Navy and I don't well, like it. Could. I don't like it because I, I like Navy and certainly where they've gone this year. It's been great to see them and they've done it consistently all year. They've done a great job. Uh, but I just think that again, army comes in and spoils Navy's year. Not that they're not going to make the tournament cause Navy will. It's just a fact of, you know, I, I just, again, I, I don't know. I think it's very hard to beat. I'm going to take the under as well. I don't think that it's going to be a 10-10 to 10 game, so to speak. Um, but I, I, I like single digits, believe it or not, in this. It's going to be a defensive reward. Number 11, Loyola at home against number – or favored by two uh, versus Bucknell. Who do you got here? 21 goals is the over-under. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, – I've said it before. I think that Loyola is going to ultimately win the Patriot League tournament. I think they're playing great right now. Uh, Charlie Toomey, Matty Dwan, those guys do a fantastic job of getting their teams ready to play. Ryan Moran, I, you know, they, I think they're going to handle Will Sands. love Will Sands, you know, three and seven. Dartmouth Verbal. Patriot League, yeah. Dartmouth Verbal along with Ryan <laughs> Brown. Imagine those two. Uh, we wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> uh, That's for sure. So uh, I, I, I like, I think Louisville is playing too well. I think that at home, I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna hold Bucknell down. I think they're gonna be more competitive at the faceoff. I think their goalie with Stover in the net is gonna. I think they're gonna continue to have success. I see them holding Bucknell down. I see Loyola winning this game. You know, twelve seven. So I'm gonna. Got, I got Loyola covering two goals, uh, but I like the under at twenty one. I. Uh... I like the under as well, and I definitely like Loyola on this one. I, I think Loyola wins the, uh, the Patriot League. As much as I think Navy is a great team, I don't think they get past Army, obviously. I just picked Army. But then I think Loyola Army, I think Loyola wins it and ends up going as the you know Patriot League champs. Uh, so I have the exact same uh, line on that one as you do. Now on to the top 20 games of the week. Number one, Denver. In Denver. You're getting off the plane, a five-goal underdog, but they're somehow giving Marquette <laughs> three-and-a-half goals here, uh, which speaks to Marquette's and, and their team. Number 18, Marquette, three-and-a-half goal underdogs. 22 is the line. What do you got here? You know what? I, I think that obviously Joe Amplow and his staff have done a great job. They've had a great season. But they just got blown out 16-1 to <laughs> by Duke and – I just think that Bill Tierney is not going to allow his team to be sloppy at this point in the year. I think that they definitely have a lot of respect for Marquette. I think you can look at the strength of their defense, the fact that they played Notre Dame so tightly and just lost in overtime 8-7 a few weeks ago. But I just feel that getting beat that badly down in Durham is going to still be in the back of the minds of the players on Marquette and Denver is the best shooting team out there. Uh, I think they're going to win the faceoffs. I think they're going to control the ball and I think they're going to cover three and a half in this game. I can see it being, you know, six goals. I could see this game being, you know, 14 to six, something like that. So I've got, I've got Denver covering this, but I do like the under at 22. So I got Denver to cover three and a half, but I got the under, at I've got Denver as well. I think it could, I mean, it's so hard to play in Denver. Um, and then I've got the over on this one. I think there's going to be a lot more scoring. Uh, I like your 14 6. I like more 14 8, 14 9. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just for the sake of the over. Um, but I do agree with you. I've got Denver as well. Number two, Brown. Brown. Going to Virginia. 
Favored by four and a half goals. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. Uh, 23 is the over-under. What do you got here? You know what? This is, a, this is an awesome battle. You've got, you know, LT, who was a two-time captain under Dom when Dom was at Brown. Uh, and, in, and in years past, you know, Virginia has always won this matchup. Uh, but it's not going to happen this year. <laughs> I think that Virginia has uh, already moved on to the summer. As much as they would like to speculate that a win here would give them a slight no way. chance at getting into the tournament, I don't think that there is a chance in hell of them getting in the tournament. If they do, it's complete bull crap. You're welcome. Well, Cole. that would be kind of the way that it, it is sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just I see I see Brown. Uh, they're they're too good. I mean, Brown Brown, as I said before, I think is the most balanced team in the whole country. I personally think they're the best team in the country, um, and I just don't see them. You know, I don't see Lars taking his foot off the gas out of respect for Dom in the situation, and I think that they're going to roll him. I think that they're going to control the middle of the field with the face-off X. I think Jack Kelly is going to put in another first-team All-American performance. They win the matchups when Brown has the ball on the offensive end. They win the matchups. When Virginia has the ball on the defensive end, and I think that I see Brown winning this game twenty to seven. That's what I see. So I've got Brown on an easy cover at four and a half, and uh, I like the over in this game at twenty three. I like the over as well. I do have Brown doing it as well. I mean, I it, I also feels so good. To, it feels so good to say that Brown's going to be for Brown is going to roll him. And it's just a, <laughs> and, and, and if I felt you know a little more nervous about it I wouldn't say it but I just feel that Brown uh is is hitting on all They cylinders. can't take the foot off the pedal here because Brown really hasn't played a team like Virginia. Good size, athletic, not obviously playing very well, but this is a team that they're going to face playing better lacrosse as they get into the tournament. So um, I think that, you know, Lars has to take this very seriously. I think that Brown has to take this very seriously. And the fact that they're going to do it on the road, I think that's huge. So um, this is a big test for Brown. uh, But I think that they, the fact that Brown is favored by five goals or more in this game is awesome to see. Number three, Maryland going to Homewood Field. Big 10 matchup favored by a goal and a half over under his 20. What do you got here, A.T.? This is an interesting game, you know, and this is the game that I've said before that I feel like Hopkins wins. I always feel like it's the reverse in this particular series, you know, where when Hopkins is up and playing great, it seems like Maryland comes in and breaks their heart. And when Maryland's up and playing great, it seems like Hopkins comes and breaks their heart. Uh, but but I don't think Hopkins gets it done this year. I, I think that... Uh, Maryland is too balanced again. Very similar to Brown, they got a great face-off group. They got a great goalie. They've got arguably the best defense in the country, along with Notre Dame and a, and, and a few other schools. But I think that they're right there, um, and I think their offense is super scary with two deep midfields, a great attack, and they know who they are. Um, so I've got Maryland in this game covering one and a half. I think Maryland beats them about ten to six, and I just. I like the under because I think Maryland's going to be very smart in the way that they play. Um, you know, I would love to see Johns Hopkins win the game, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they have enough this year. Uh, and I think that Maryland is going to be playing for a national championship. Um, and I, so I got Maryland to cover one and a half, and I like the under at 20 goals. I like the under as well. I've got it more like an 11-8 game. The over-under is 20 goals. I got like 11-8. I feel like every game that Maryland plays is somewhere around 11-8. Ever since, I think it was 12-8 to Drexel, I feel like every score has been more or less the same. 11-8, 11-7, 10-6. So I've got Maryland as well. I think that if if it it doesn't cover, it's because it went to overtime, but I still have Maryland winning in overtime. Um, And, you know, I still think that it's right around that 20-goal you know, eleven, ten, something like that. Maybe it gets to the over, uh, but I do. I have, uh, I have Maryland as well. Next one, number five, Albany, favored by five against UMBC in Catonsville. 
Isn't that what it is? Isn't that where it is? Right in that mm -hmm. uh, hilltop circle. 1,000 hilltop yep. circle. Um, yep. What do you have here? This is going to be a roll job. <laughs> uh, you know, Albany, I, I would take Albany by 10 wow. in this game. Wow. The only, the only reason that it won't be that much of a crusher is because you've got Scott Marr playing for his college coach, Don Zimmerman. And I think that Scott Marr has too much respect for John Zimmerman, Don Zimmerman, excuse me, to run it up really, really badly here. They're still going to cover five goals. Um, but I don't think that they're going to put 22 plus on them. I just don't think Scott will do that to them. Um, but I think that they could. So I, I'm going to say that Albany covers this because I, I think that Scott lets off the, the accelerator here a little bit. Um, so I'm going to take Albany laying five, and I'm going to take the under wow. at 22. Wow. I was actually thinking you're going to take the over. I, was I, I would have, I would have against any other team, but I just don't think UNBC that he's going to do that to Don Zimmerman. Well, the other thing is, is I still can see 15, 16, 17 goals from Albany, but I actually mm -hmm. don't see six, seven goals from UMBC. That's the, yeah, that's, that's what I don't see. So I've got the under yep. as well here, and I definitely have Albany beating UMBC by five or by six or more. Let's put it that way. Uh, number six, Yale, in the ancient rivalry at home in a pick'em, which is surprising here, against Harvard. Uh, 21 and a half. Uh, this is a really interesting line. Yale is obviously one of the best teams in the country. Harvard is on the down streak. However, yeah. given the rivalry, even away, they still have them as a pick'em. Who do you have here, A.T.? You know, Harvard's got great players, but Harvard's always had great players. You know, with Steven Jahelka coming back, I think that, you know, that's going to, if, he, if he's 100% healthy, I think that that's going to give somebody, you know, uh, it's going to give Harvard the opportunity to hold Ben Reeves down a little bit. You know, does he hold him down completely? No, I don't think he does. I think Ben Reeves is too good of a player to be um, shut down. I just think that Yale is too well coached. They're playing at home. Yeah, they lost arguably the best defenseman in the country, Michael Quinn. But I think we've all seen that Andy Shea just does a phenomenal job of recruiting the right players for his program, guys that are super tough, hyper-competitive soldiers to the system. And I think that, you know, with Michael Quinn going down, you know, they're going to put the next guy in there that while he may not be as great an individual defender as Michael Quinn, I don't think that the defensive team defense takes a hit because I think that he fits in and they plug right into the system. And I think that's one of the great things that Andy Shea and his staff are, have been able to do on not only the defensive end, but also the offensive end. So I think the line is, is too low. I think that uh, Yale wins this game. I think that they. I think it's reasonably close for a half, but I think that Yale ends up pulling away at the end because I think Harvard will end up quitting. Um, and so I, I've got Yale to win this game outright. I can see it being, you know, 12-8, uh, something like that. So I'm going to take the. I'm going to take Yale outright, but I think it's going to be under 21 and a half. I've got Yale as well. It's easy to pick Yale and to pick them. Uh, was it announced, Michael Quinn, he's out for the year? Yes, I saw that yesterday. Was it, was it a major media outlet or is it just uh, Yale's media? Um, I was saying. My, my wife wrote it on a gum, gum wrapper and handed it to me <laughs> in the bathroom this morning. Uh, uh, I had seen that it was a formal release yesterday. I through can't remember Yale? the media outlet, though. It's a um, uh, I believe it was through. I, I don't know. My I, issue I is, is I, I read every tweet and I have not seen anything from the major media outlets in lacrosse, which doesn't yep. surprise me that the number sixteen. Yeah, you know what? It was the it was the Yale newspaper yeah. that came up. So so that was the, the the major news. The major media doesn't doesn't do anything. But yet, if Virginia's water boys served Gatorade instead of Powerade, we'd hear that in the major news outlets. But yet the best defenseman, and I'll say that, even though everyone thinks Landis is, the best defenseman in the country is out for I the don't, year. I think Quinn is. Uh, well, yeah. that's what I was saying, is, is out for the year, and it's like silence. 
Not everyone. No one knows. And he's going to be a probable first-team All-American. Maybe not if, if he, Yale doesn't go very far. He better be a first-team All-American. He's, he's, he, he absolutely And it's be. very sad that no one picks that up. Uh, number 12, and I do have – I have the over, actually, in this one. I actually think that both teams are going to score a bunch of goals. Um, and so I got like a 12-12-ish, but I have um, Yale with the at least minimal one-goal win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Usually takes one. That's to win. right. Uh, number twelve, Air Force uh, going to Florida, Jacksonville, favored by three. Uh, the over unders eighteen and a half. What do you got here, AT? Uh, Air Force is going to pound them. Three goals. Come on. Uh, I don't see this being even close. I, I, I I'm going to say twelve to three. That's what I'm going to say the final is. I've got Air Force easy in this game. Uh, but I do like the under at 18 and a half simply because I don't think Jacksonville's going to score enough goals. I like the exact same line as you have. Number 13, Towson going to Long Island. Favored by two on Hofstra. 20 and a half goals is the over under. What do you got here, AT? You know, credit Seth Tierney and his staff. They've quietly won three games in a row. Um, you know, and, and they had started strong. You know, they ended up with, you know, two wins against North Carolina at home. Certainly opened a season that, that blew everybody away. I had picked Carolina in that game and to trounce them, and they got beat. And then they beat Princeton, who at that point in the year, you had been talking a ton of smack about. Uh, and Princeton, unfortunately, did not end up having the season that you thought they were capable of having. And, and I also thought that they were better than that. Um, and then they sort of hit rock bottom in the middle of the year. You know, losing four of, of seven games in the middle of the season, but they quietly have come back to beat Delaware, to beat Drexel at Drexel, to beat UMass at UMass. And now they get Towson and they're playing for the CAA championship. Um, and it's in Long Island. Um, I'm going to take Hofstra in this game. I just feel like Seth Tierney has them playing well. At the most important juncture of the season, which is April, they've won three weeks in a row after losing a one-goal game to Fairfield. Um, If they hadn't lost to Fairfield, they would have won six in a row. Uh, So I think that all of those things together, I'm going to take Hofstra getting two at home against Towson. Do they win outright? I don't know if they win outright, Um, but I think that they cover for sure, and I'm going to say it's going to be a lower-scoring game, even though um, it's going to be a close game. Typically, the lower-scoring games would favor Towson, but I can see a, a 9-8 Towson win or a 9-8 Hofstra win. So I'm going to take Hofstra to cover, getting two, and I'm going to take the under at 20.5. Uh, I almost took Hofstra in this one, and I will not take Hofstra in this one because I need to make a sicker cover after my Tuesday <laughs> So I'm going to take Towson, but I do agree with what you just said, though. Uh, I'm going to take Towson because that's easy to take Towson in this one. Uh, but I'm also I'm going to take the over. So I'm going to go two ways on you. I, I do think I think it's going to be like a 12-10 ish uh, win for Towson. Uh, maybe 11-9 ish. Hopefully it's not 11-9. Hopefully it's 12-10. But uh, I have Towson in this one, but I do think there's going to be a couple goals scored here even though Towson's defense is really good. Number 15, Stony Brook, another Long Island game. Playing Hartford, favored by three, over-under is 23. What do you got here, AT? You know, Hartford's got one of the very best face-off guys in the country, this guy Dylan Protesto. Um, and, you know, but I, I think that's about all they have in this game. Uh, I just think... Stony Brook is is not going to stumble here. Stony Brook needs to win the Am East to get a tournament bid. Do I think that they'll do it? I think they could do it. I don't think they will. I think Albany's too good. Um, but I just I just don't think that Hartford's going to beat them. These are the two teams that are probably going to end up playing each other again in the Am East semis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know so. I just I think that Stony Brook has too much offense for Hartford. Right. You know, Hartford needs to win ninety percent of the faceoffs. Could they do it? They could, um, but I just I just think that Stony Brook is has too much offense for them. So I, I like Stony Brook at home. 
Uh, they take is Hartford taking the ferry over? Bridge, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I I like Stony Brook to cover three goals, um, and I think it's going to be uh, a higher scoring game. But I just don't think they get to twenty three. Um, I'm going to take I'm going to take Stony Brook laying three, and I'm going to take the under at twenty three. I'm going to take Stony Brook uh, for the same reasons you do. Uh, I'm going to take excuse me the under as well. Um, I, you know what? Actually, no. I like the over in this one. And the only reason why I like the over in this one is because I do think Hartford's going to win enough face-offs to actually put more pressure on Stony Brook, uh, which is going to, in, in my eyes, is going to make them the, a, a game that's more up-tempo um, that you would normally see instead of the make-it-take-it, make-it-take-it, which would hurt Hartford's chances. Um, but I think that both teams are going to score a lot of goals here. Um, so, but at the same time, Stony Brook's defense is really good, but I'll, I'm going to take the over just because I made such a sloppy mistake, disgusting Tuesday picks. Uh, so I'll take the over here. <laughs> Number 16 Rutgers going to Columbus favored by only one against unranked Buckeyes. 21 is the over under. What do you got here? This is a, this is a trap game for <laughs> Rutgers. It really is because Rutgers beat Ohio State 17 to 10 last game of the year last year. Uh, Ohio State, I think, is done. Penn State beat them head to head. And I think that in the end, that's going to end up being the reason why Penn State ends up making the Big Ten tournament. And Ohio State does not. Ohio State needs to win this game. But I just don't think that they're going to. Um, I think Rutgers is playing too well. I think Rutgers has too much offense for them. And they've had too good of a year. With that said, God, I just, you know, it's the type of game I can see Ohio State winning 10-8. You know, if Ohio State can win the faceoffs, they're playing at home. You know, Ohio State needs this where Rutgers doesn't need it. Rutgers, um, you know, Rutgers has had a great year, but they're new to success, so to speak. And so... Because of that dynamic, I can see Ohio State. You know what? I'm, I'm going to back off it because I know it. I said this week that Rutgers was going to roll them. Um, but when I really think about this, I can see or I can hope that Tom Carey, New Canaan goalie, for the Buckeye steps up. I'm just going to take Ohio State. They're the underdogs. Yep, they're playing at home and they're playing for their they're playing for their entire season right here. Um, so I'm going to go against my better instincts. Go against what I said last podcast, and I'm flipping. <laughs> I'm going to go with Ohio State getting one to cover. I'm going to go with an outright win, 10-8, and I'm going to take the under in this game at 21. Uh, I mean, I always take Ohio State at home. I <laughs> I 100% of the time, I take Buckeyes at home. God, that's infuriating because you were talking about Rutgers the entire time and I had Rutgers down, written down on the paper. That's the way he picked. And yep. he flipped and it pisses me off because I was going to take the <laughs> uh, So now I'm going to flip and I'm going to hope that the first three minutes of your rant is the correct part of the outcome of this game. And I'm going to pick Rutgers just simply the fact that Rutgers needs this just as much as Ohio State. And I'll say that because Rutgers needs to win on the road. They're going to play in the tournament on the road. Uh, they're going to play, um, you know, basically the rest of the season on the road. I mean, that's kind of what it's going to look like. Um, yeah. And so this is a big game for them, a big hurdle. And if they can do it now, then I feel like they can do it, uh, you know, moving forward in the Big Ten tournament and certainly the national tournament, which I think they'll get an at-large bid for sure. That's my thoughts, but maybe not. Um, I'm going to take the under as well. I think that is going to be a relatively slow-paced game, especially with Ohio State's methodical offense. And uh, so I've got the under. Number 17, Villanova at home against Providence, favored by three and a half. Um, the over-under is 22. Providence playing with a little swagger lately. But is it enough to beat Villanova or at least lose to Villanova by three or less? What do you got? You know what? I, I Providence is is playing better. Chris Gabrielli has done an awesome job there. Tate Boyce, freshman goalkeeper, was one of my favorite prospects in the country in his class. Um, and I think that they're going to hold Villanova down for a while. But I just see Villanova... Uh, as too scary of an offensive team. I see Villanova winning the face-offs, and I just see them having the ball too much. 
So I, I'm going to take Villanova to cover three and a half. Um, you know, they're very, very alive in the national tournament picture. Um, and it's and, and Providence is not going to the national tournament. <laughs> they're not. Um, so I, I, I like Villanova to cover three and a half. But I just think given how good a goalie that Providence has, I just I see the under at 22. You know, I can see this being like 13 to 5 Villanova. Um, but but having them pull away late, you know, I can see it being 8-5 going into the fourth quarter and Villanova outscoring them, you know, 5-0, five, 5-1, five, something like that. So I'm going to take Villanova laying 3.5, and, and I'm going to take the under at 22. I got the exact same line on this, uh, Villanova. I, in fact, I have the exact same thought process on the score as well. I have the under as well. Last game before we get into the rock bottom bowl, number 19, Penn State at home against Michigan, favored by four. I think this is the the largest line Michigan has faced all year playing a top 20 team. I'm trying to think back. Is there a bigger line than four? Were they? I think there was a line of six. Oh, uh, Brown, I think it was six. Uh, 20 and a half is the over-under. What do you got here, A.T.? Penn State is, is you know, I, I think they win this game. They lock up the fourth seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, they've lost, you know, three one-goal games in a row. Uh, they need this. They need to make, you know, a statement. They play at home. Michigan's defense is a train wreck. Um, I just I just don't see Michigan having a shot in this game. You know, I, I, I this this is going to be Penn State. I, I think Penn State's going to beat them by eight goals. I could see this being, you know, uh, sixteen to eight. I, I think Michigan's going to score some goals on Penn State. I do think that is Michigan's offense. I think is good, but I just don't think their defense can hang. And so I, I'm going to say that Penn State covers this laying four at twenty point five. I like the over in this game. So I got Penn State laying four and the over. I've got Michigan covering this game. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because the last few games have been pretty close, Big Ten opponents. Now, the Johns Hopkins game, they don't they don't match up very well with Johns Hopkins at all. But over the last few years with Penn State, Ohio State, Rutgers, uh, they've all played them. Michigan's played them all very close. So I've got Michigan to for at least a push or less on this. I think four may be a little bit too much. Uh, uh, yeah, four might be a little bit too much, uh, but I think they probably lose by three, two. I think both teams score goals. I think, you know, with Penn State's goalie scenario, I don't think it's very great, uh, very good. Um, and so I've I got Michigan to cover here, and I like the over as well. I think 20 goals is way low for a Michigan-Penn State game. So, A.T., now we get to the Rock Bottom Bowl. A.T., Who's in it this week? I, I, I can't believe that we're saying this because both of these teams pounded so many teams that So brutal. I and that includes us. When I includes coached, us. When I was at Yale. When I played. Time, when, I was at, when I was at Dartmouth. You know, these two teams controlled and owned the decades of the 90s and the early 2000s. But we're going to go to New Jersey and we are going all the way to Princeton, New Jersey, where the four and eight Tigers take on the six and six Cornell Big Red, fresh off a twenty-two to five no gray area pound job by the Bears. <laughs> the rock bottom bowl this week is Cornell versus Princeton. Wow, that obvious feels good to say. wow, does that feel good <laughs> that to say? Is, it's so wild that the two teams that literally, I mean, in my three year or four years at Dartmouth, uh, I did not win. That was the only winless team. We beat Princeton. We beat. We were four and zero against Harvard. Four and zero against Yale. Uh, I think we split with Brown. I think probably two and two in my four years. Uh, but then Cornell literally outside the first two years, we lost by a goal with literally under three seconds both time. Both times my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, oh, no, not my freshman year. Uh, my sophomore and junior years. Uh, we lost by a goal with under three seconds. Sean Greenhall buried both of them. I remember that. That was the worst. Oh, oh. Eight, seven. Eight, seven, right? Eight, seven. It was brutal. You had three and one. I had three. I had three. Yes. I, I always play well I against Cornell. I remember the set play 
that we set a pick up at X, one three two. We set the pick. The pick guy slipped down to the guy comes off the pick, throws it down to the wing, which I think was Jamie Coffin. Yes. And the pick man slipped all the way down to the crease, and you cut right off from the right side off the pick man. Coffin threw it right in. You, you scored. I remember cool. that. That was a great yeah, play. That was, that was sick. Uh, I always had a good game against Cornell, but we never yeah. won. No. Um, but um, it's amazing to me to see these two teams drop off this year. Uh, I do see success in their near future. I mean, let's face it, recruiting at Cornell and Princeton is not is not hard. Um, nope. And so uh, from that standpoint, it's a pick em, right, A.T.? Uh, it's always a pick em. That's correct. Um, I've got Cornell on this one, and I've got Cornell on this one for the, for the only reason is that the face-off X. Uh, I think they control the possession game. But then again, you've got like the kid Courier could put a wrench into things. You know, I got Cornell here. What do you got? You know what? I would have been inclined to take Cornell too for the exact same reason, but I just like the idea that Cornell <laughs> has a six and a half hour late potato <laughs> chip salt on, on the way down. They don't want to be there. They don't want to get off the bus. It's, it's so brutal. All those Princeton tools wearing their orange pants with the tiger heads on them. Full <laughs> pants. I don't care how... I do, like, I do like I do like the women orange slacks. <laughs> you know, I hope John Hess is wearing slacks with Princeton Tiger heads on top of them. I days. do like the chicks that run around in the orange sundresses. That's not so bad. That's I not don't so hate bad. that, except most of them are liberals, which is <laughs> a little painful. Um, so uh, you know what? I'm going to go on the other side of this, just for the travel involved, and uh, you know, let's hope Zach Courier steps up. And makes Maximilian snap at the X, which could easily happen. So uh, I'm inclined to take Cornell. I, I, I think Cornell is the better team, but I yep. just think that coming off a fresh 17 goal loss to Brown, 25. <laughs> say that one more time. God, I, I just, I've got some people in town here that are great dudes: Pat Leahy and Brett Wilderman, and I, I talk about. You know, Brown Cornell game leading up to that game, and both were a little sheepish when I saw them <laughs> last night at third grade lacrosse. Uh, so I, I'm taking Princeton in the rock bottom bowl straight up against Cornell for no reason other than the travel associated with getting down there. So I got Princeton. That's all for the show today. As always, subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter at In Your Face Lax. Uh, we will be back with a recap early next week. Uh, and until then, enjoy the weekend in lacrosse and maximize your comfort. See you next week. Thanks for listening.